Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Threw you a curveball there, Theo. <laughs> you, you, had to, you had to throw me off a little bit. Throwing me off a little bit, Billy. Welcome, <laughs> welcome everyone, to another episode of First Class Fantasy. Um, I'm, I'm stoked to be in here today. We have another first class guest. It's our second guest of all time, Derek Brown of Fantasy Pros. D-Bro, we're stoked to have you in here. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good, boys. You know, early best ball streets, trying to get my chops. Everything's going good. People are still making dumb decisions and drafts. So things you love to see, especially on a Wednesday. But how are you guys? Uh, doing great. Uh, just been working on projections quietly in the background, getting um, getting the model situated. Uh, we are are ready. To Billy's working on projection models and Theo's over there doing uh, what is it? Uh, Theo power cleans in between podcasts they, these days. Occasionally, I sneak in a couple of cleans there, D bro. You you know how it is. You know how it is. I know, and Look, I know. Billy's 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 in the in the in the lab coding. Uh, he's he's putting together projections. He's he's modeling. I mean, you name it. That's what Billy's Being doing. The model. I mean, and, just things that have to happen, man. And Billy, we're, we're not have... we're not talking about underwear models. We're talking about football models here. Just just to clarify, everybody. We did talk about underwear models before <laughs> we went live here. Billy might might uh, venture into that. We'll see. Depends on the size of the trophy. Yes. <laughs> and, and Billy, you you may or may not already, have a flex. We're already off the rails, man. We ain't even started. <laughs> yeah, here we go, baby. FP, let's go. <laughs> Billy, that's an impressive trophy. What what did what did you do to earn that trophy? Uh, top five finish at the Fantasy Pros ranking competition for 2022 in-season rankings. Pretty excited. That, that, the size of that trophy doesn't look like you're trying to compensate for anything at all, Billy. No, no, saying. it's it's, it's definitely it definitely fits. The, it's it's all it all it all coincides. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's a that's a fantastic flex, uh, Billy. You you gotta you gotta make that like very visible. Maybe even a prop it up. So people see it like right behind your head for the entire season uh, when you're podcasting. Um, Debro, you you actually had a, a pretty good flex. You basically gave the world Christian Watson. You're one of the first people. <laughs> you're one of the first people to really hype him. I'll give you props for that because you came okay. on the Goat District podcast with me uh, and JD Try. and Dan right after the Senior Bowl last year, and you you got a chance to uh, talk up Christian Watson about how sure you were that he was going to hit. You ranked him aggressively. Took a little flack for that, and you and it came absolutely true. So we're going to get a chance to talk about Christian Watson later on in the show. But whatever Debro tells you this time of year, circle it, write it in pen. 
because the guy the guy ran very very pure last offseason want to ask you guys all a question with this with this fun little news coming out of San Francisco who is the San Francisco 49ers starting quarterback on day one of the NFL seasoning season D bro we'll start with you Man, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. I think as long as he's healthy and he doesn't face plant and camp, I think it's going to be him. Um, I, one, I don't, I don't think Purdy is is even in the conversation because I don't think he's going to be healthy to start week one. Um, considering building up arm strength and stuff, and I could be a little bit off on the timeline, but if they have any kind of like hopes, dreams, thoughts about Purdy being the long term answer, they're not going to push him back fast. So I think it's going to be Lance. Um. I mean, it depends on what narrative do you want to craft for this? Like, he plays good in camp. The 49ers say, look, like, we do need to find out if uh, all the equity we put into the draft to get Trey Lance is worth it um, or not. So he's really going to have to, like, lose that job for Sam Darnold to sit here and get snaps over in week one. Yeah, you know, I'll, and I'll answer this first because Billy's got going to go deep on this one. He is our 49ers expert on the show. I'll, I'll agree with you. It's going to be Trey Lance. Uh, the 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 Trey Lance hate might have gone a little bit too far. Oh, it's, um, far. it's I think that his chances of starting on day one are a lot stronger than maybe some people think. But I'm going to pass it over to you, Billy. Your thoughts on on day one and maybe for the who has I'll give a second question to you, Billy, who has the most starts for the San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks next year. That's the key, right? And I think that it's 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 pretty clear and evident that Lance is the starter week one. Uh Derek, Derek was spot on. It's the injury to Purdy. I think if we if we had no injury and they just lost or won the, the championship game, I think that regardless of that outcome, today would be Brock Purdy starting because of what he has done during down the stretch. Um I mean Purdy was really good. And so to answer your question here, Lance will start week one. Purdy will have the most starts given that his health timeline is, is going to be um, met and he's not going to have any setbacks. If he hits all of his, his, his targets and he's able to, to get throwing by camp and they don't want to rush him in. I think that that throwing by camp is aggressive. I think it'll probably be closer towards week one, quite frankly. Um, But if, if that everything's said and done, um, if healthy, Purdy is the starter, in my opinion. Lance probably starts week one as they're going to ease Purdy into things. They don't want to rush him, get him back, and, and risk further injury with that elbow. Um, but for most starts in the season, I have it projected right now as Purdy. And when you take a look at kind of the metrics, and you have to reduce the qualified because Purdy only had uh, five starts. He was in six full games, you know, but he did he was in nine for qualifying. But taking the snaps down to 350 snaps, looking specifically at weeks 14 through 18. Um, he finished eighth in completion percentage, and this is for the entire season, like if you include his nine actual games, but 350 snaps minimum for criteria for qualified here. He finished eighth in completion percentage, only behind Geno Smith, Burrow, Herbert, Stafford, Jimmy G, Daniel Jones, and Mahomes. He was number one in touchdown rate in all qualified quarterbacks at 7.6%. He finished ahead of Patrick Mahomes at 6.3%. He finished ahead of Josh Allen at 61 ahead of Burrow at 5.9, and ahead of Prescott at 5.8. He was number two in pressure completion percentage at 55.8, only behind Herbert at 57.1%. He was seventh in true passer rating at 94.81, and he finished number one in the league in red zone completion percentage. There's a lot to like about Brock Purdy. Uh, I know he's a system quarterback, but that's exactly what the Niners need is someone just be able to run this West Coast offense for Shanahan. 
Debra, anything to add on the most starts? Yeah, I, I guess. So what I was curious about, Billy, is, okay, so like the story that you're telling with the projections, is it Trey Lance loses the job or Purdy gets the job as soon as he's healthy? Like they just flip it over. Like what's, I guess, like what's the storyline that you're telling with the projections there? Because for, for the, the, the pushback is, okay, so Lance starts week one. If he plays well, are they just going to hand the job over to Purdy? That's the part that I had the problem with, I guess. So for me, it's the locker room. I think Purdy's won the locker room. And and okay. and I think the selling point, and Lynch kind of echoed those sentiments at the at the owners meeting on Monday was, and we saw everyone saw the quote that it that that um Purdy has has the locker room. He's the leader in the locker room. I think that is safe to say that that is accurate moving forward. And okay. we even heard players come out after the championship game saying that. Um, if Purdy wasn't the starter, there'd be some pretty upset people inside the locker room for the 49ers. There's a lot of a lot that has been invested inside Trey Lance. Niners are quick to cut losses, though. And I think that it's safe to say that as of right now, the only reason why they haven't cut the loss is because of the injury. Now, I think that they give Lance every opportunity to succeed these first couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And if he takes off with a job and runs with it, he probably keeps it because of the equity that they have. Yeah inside of the draft capital and so that's it, where i'm at but that's it, where i'm at he would have to in my opinion have a justin fields down the stretch run right massive rushing upside but also throwing the ball so in my opinion the expectations for him that are going to be set in order for him to hold that job are going to be extremely high i just read all these stats in which purdy excelled in Mm-hmm. We're going to need to see Trey Lance hit on all those metrics as well as the rushing upside to hold that job from Purdy. And if they if they come out, let's just say it's week four. If they come out and they're two and two, I would say that's Purdy's job. If they come out and they're three and one, they probably let Lance keep this and roll forward. You know, four and oh, three and one, it's probably Lance's job. Anything under three and one, I think that they roll that. And that's just assuming it's four weeks. They roll that over to Purdy in my opinion. And- so I, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I, I agree with you that I think Trey Lance has to come out and be proficient. Um, if he's Almost not perfect. Well, and, and here's the other thing. And I'll, I'll push back on, on some of the party love a little bit um, in that. I, it, I don't care if anybody's a system quarterback, like everybody's a system quarterback, you know, like smart coaches build systems around quarterbacks. It's not square peg meets round hole. That's what dumbass coaches do, you know? So the fact that he's a system quarterback, I'm not knocking him for that. The whole thing about it, like, but with Brock Purdy, he everything that you stated, Billy, was is totally spot on. The other thing about that, and this illuminates to him being a point guard and not a playmaker, is that he was also, he had the sixth lowest big-time throw rate last year. So with that, he operated perfectly inside of the system. Like, quick decisions, let his playmakers do exactly what he's supposed to, and he was accurate with it, okay? And that that's all San Francisco kind of wants out of the position. Where Lance, I think, can differentiate himself, and he's going to have to, one, I agree with you, he's going to have to play extremely efficient. He's going to have to show this coaching staff that he can get through his reads, make plays. But he is where I see that if he is able to hold on to this job is he is able to prove to them that he can do something that Brock Purdy cannot, and that is be a playmaker and create big splash plays while playing efficient and be able to play outside of structure, which is not something that like San Francisco has asked Brock Purdy to do. He's shown that he's do- he, he can do it or he will do it. 
And so I think I agree with you that Lance has to come out and play extremely damn good football. But the way that he keeps that job is he's able to show them that not only can I play efficiently, but I can add another layer to this offense that Brock Purdy cannot. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting that you mentioned this because I think you hit the you're, you're, you're spot on. The only thing is that is completely contrary to the West Coast offense. The West Coast offense mm-hmm. is designed for short, quick, intermediate throws. Get the ball out. Get it in your playmaker's hands. Let them get yards after the catch. That's why Debo does well. We got Christian McCaffrey. You know, a, a good tight end is good in that regard as well. You have Ayuk, who's who's doing his mm-hmm. thing down the rest of the field. The West the Coast offense there, is, not, is, then, is not is not needed to have those big splash true. plays. But true. in order for Lance to keep the job, he's going to need to do everything in the West Coast offense that Purdy did, plus more is what you just mentioned. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. So the and, and he has the arm to do that, it. Um, is that if my whole thing about, and I don't, I don't disagree with you. Y- yes, you outlined it perfectly about the West Coast offense. My whole thing is like, if they wanted that type of quarterback, then why the hell did you draft Trey Lance to begin with? Like, I think they got scared of the just, media. They wanted, did, they, yes, they wanted Mac Jones. Yes, that's exactly what happened. They did, and they got scared. They got scared. They got scared. Worse. Now, yep. I think one more sentiment before we wrap up the West Coast offense, the Niners. Do you know who else was a system quarterback in the West Coast offense? Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. Joe Montana played in the revolutionary Bill Walsh offense, which was the first West Coast offense in the NFL. He excelled in it. I'm not saying, and I don't want anyone to misquote me here. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is Joe Montana, but I'm saying that he can run the West Coast offense, and that's all Shanahan needs. They don't need someone to come out here and make splash plays. Yes, it's nice. From a fantasy perspective, we love it. From an NFL standpoint and perspective, all they need someone to do is run that offense. This was this is a, a great subject. I wish we had more time for it today. I will say that it's an interesting conundrum because if Trey Lance starts – He's a guy that we're going to find in our fantasy lineups in a single quarterback league. But if Brock Purdy starts, we like that a lot more for the very exciting San Francisco skill position weapons. So I think for our Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and and George Kittle uh, shares, I think I would prefer Purdy. I think it'll be more predictable. You know, you won't have to worry about him uh, running for two or three touchdowns in a game. So it's it's an interesting one for us fantasy uh, players. I think it's almost a better fantasy outcome uh, if it if it is Purdy. And I'll say just a quick response is why did they draft Lance uh, at three overall? I think that the market really overreacted looking for the next Lamar Jackson. I think it was right after the Lamar okay. Jackson season. Okay. And um, we saw that in 2019, his breakout year. Another uh, player who had a fantastic breakout season in 2019 was Darren Waller. Darren Waller was a guy that no, Theo, we, this is the Purdy show. We're going to continue Purdy. We're all, we're, we're completely guys as we are, we are moving on. We are moving on from San Francisco. This is, this is a, this is a great subject matter. Uh, and definitely uh, you can, you can also listen into Sonic truth dynasty podcast to hear the Podfather's thoughts on uh, Trey Lance from a dynasty perspective. Uh, that was a great, great show earlier this week, but another player that we really want to touch on is Darren Waller. D bro, you are all in on Darren Waller. Billy and I are both bullish on him, and we shared our thoughts on pretty much every single tight end uh, that's fantasy relevant this season last week on First Class Fantasy. But I want to hear what you have to say about Darren Waller and why you are so stoked for him. I I don't understand why this is controversial. I put this out on Twitter, and everybody's like, oh, well, good luck with that. And I'm like, 
people's certainty and their idea that they can per, like effectively predict injuries is absolutely asinine. Um, and it's every year. Everybody's, I mean, you could basically every single year just craft, okay, this guy, if he performs, nobody's going to like him. But if he performs, he's going to be a value because people get so butthurt about like players that are hurt or don't play up to performance that the next year they don't want to draft him. And this is all absolute, ridiculous, stupid recency bias with Darren Waller. It, it's one season, guys. One season where he was parked on the bench and we could say, okay, some of this was contract. Yes, he was injured, but he was out for a long time. We don't know everything that happened in that Raiders locker room, considering everybody that came out in the media Dude, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, every, Derek Carr was out there talking about like something's amiss. And with Darren Waller, I don't understand why it's controversial to sit here and say, okay, he's my tight end too. He's a top three at worst tight end. I don't understand why that's so damn controversial for a guy that last year he was top 12 in both PFF receiving grade and yards per route run. He didn't have the target share, but the Raiders were doing dumb things with that offense the entire freaking season. Carr was struggling all the way through it. And this is a player that we have seen legitimately lead all tight ends in targets. He's 30 freaking years old. So as much as people want to pile on, okay, it's the injuries. Travis Kelsey is out here proving again that as you age, if your efficiency metrics stay high and you've shown that you have not fallen off the cliff, why are we not willing to invest in that? It's it's like having a discount Travis Kelsey in the sense that this is a guy that can lead all tight ends and targets. He has already shown us the ability to produce elite numbers at the tight end position. And oh, guess what? He's now been airdropped into a situation where even if the Giants take a first round wide receiver, I don't freaking care. He still has shown he can earn targets at an elite level and now he's getting dropped airdropped into a position where they're basically asking him to do that he's going to operate as their number one wide receiver in that offense period i don't understand why this is hard for people to understand but apparently it is because he's going in best ball drafts as tight end seven and tight end eight tight end six outside the top five and it makes no damn sense to me well, Billy and I, one thing we touched on last week with the tight end episode is it's difficult to find tight ends who will lead their team in targets. And I think mm -hmm. right now you hit the nail on the head that Darren Waller has that path to leading the Giants in targets. Uh, there's maybe a handful of wide receivers that I think could cut into it if they draft in the first round. But I think him getting over 100 uh, targets is a safe bet. And I think once you get over that 100 yard, uh, mar uh, that 100 target mark, you know, start creeping into those 120s and you get those truly elite tight end seasons. Waller has two seasons with over 90 receptions, and he has three seasons where he's top five in tight end point per game. So, Billy, anything to add on Darren Waller? Yeah, I, I like Waller, too. I have him at six right now. Um, I have him just slightly ahead of Pat Fryermuth. I do have him behind Goddard, Kittle, Hawkinson, Andrews, Kelsey. I like the fact that he's going to step into an immediate role. He's probably going to be the number one in this offense and target share. Uh, at least that's how I have it projected for right now. I haven't projected for exactly 100 targets. The problem is, and the only thing that we're going to run into, is just the volume of pass plays that we see from the New York Giants versus other teams. So, for instance, Minnesota, for instance, let's use T.J. Hawkinson, for example, who's my tight end three. Minnesota, 
throws the ball, at least last year in 2022, 64.38% of the time, where someone like the Giants last year only threw the ball 52.85% of the time. So in a season-long projections, when I looked at the model and I used, you know, we use what's called X pass attempts, so expected pass attempts, combining years and and looking at efficiencies. Um, Minnesota, for instance, this year, I have projected for 630.8 pass attempts. The New York Giants, I have projected for 554 Point three pass attempts, so well under a hundred more or less pass attempts. Um, when you look at that and break it down percentage wise, like let's just call it twenty percent. You know, that's twenty more targets alone for T.J. Hawkinson just using that one hundred targets. And so I think that it's safe to say that Waller will have a significant role. He'll be the number one in this offense. What does that look like? Is my question. What does this offense look like? We saw them re-sign Saquon Barkley. They're committed to the run. Daniel Jones also likes to run. Um, They have this hodgepodge receiver core, so it's safe to say that Waller is the number one option, Mm -hmm. but what does 20% target share look like? What does 21% target share looks like? That's more like 100, 105 targets max, in my opinion, where someone like Hawkinson or someone like Kelsey is going to see upwards of 130 to 150, and you can throw in a couple other names in there as well, like Mark Andrews. So I think that's where the disconnect is from um, maybe the consensus, or I should say, you know, the a lot of rankers and projectors look at this and say, Waller has the skills to still be a an elite tight end. Um, in terms of tight end youth, he's still young. He's not yep. 37, 40, like some of these tight ends get to. It takes tight ends a long time to get to that maturity and that growth. It's like a fine wine, right? You just got to sit and mature and become, you know, elite Waller still has that in him. I think the days of him, though, being one, two, three are probably gone. I think he still has the skills to get there. I just don't think the Giants pass enough for him to actually hit that number this year. So the pushback on that, Billy, and and I, I'm totally with you. I look at play volumes and and offensive trends. I think I think it's 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 twofold. One, the Giants started off the year. They had massive injuries. They didn't, I mean, they, they had nobody to depend on. Wandell was in and out of the, the lineup. Darius Slayton wasn't even a full-time player. It was literally just Daniel Jones handed off to Saquon for the first few weeks of the season and or throw to your first read. And if that's not there, take off running. Where, where I think that we're going to get more volume out of this passing attack is one, Dayball showed that he's willing to sit here and open up the offense whenever one, the matchup dictates two Daniel Jones is playing well, or they have better receiving options. Because if you look at weeks 12 through 18 last year um, to close out the season. So, I mean, we're looking at um, a seven game sample. It's almost half the season. The giants were 12th in neutral script passing rate. So I think with better weapons around them, they, they brought in a, a, it might not look sexy, but it's a hodgepodge of guys that are NFL caliber talent. Versus last year, it's Isaiah Hodgins, it's Richie James, it's Darius Slayton. Now you add into an offense of, okay, they got Barkley back, we have Waller, they have a lot of those other parts of pieces, but they brought new ones in. And if they go wide receiver in round one, now they're kind of equipped where they can throw the ball more because they actually have NFL talent. And we saw them in a small, like almost a half season stretch where they showed us that they're willing to do that down the back half of it. So that's where I think we're we're different on like volume expectations for him, where I can see a, a an easier path for him to get to that 130, 140 targets. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, the last time we saw a Brian Dable coached offense trade for a, a receiver, a big time receiver, it was Stefan Diggs. And Waller is interesting because we've never seen Dable with a move tight end like this. And I think that they're going to line him up all over the field and kind of find creative ways to get him the ball. And uh, Billy, you know, we, we talk a lot about tight ends. It's making me think about tight end premium scoring and our uh, friends over at the FFPC. Gotta love the tight end premium out of FPC. Uh, Darren Waller's ADP right now is 67.9 inside that format. Uh, why don't you stick around? We're going to get a quick read over here from, from the Podfather talking about why you should be playing over at the FFPC. You know, people always ask me, hey, what is the, the World Series of Fantasy or the Super Bowl of Fantasy Football? And it's easy. It's the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's a $6 million prize pool. And they've had their never too early best ball leagues cranking since February. So the FFPC is the answer to so many questions. Hey, hey, where's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC. That's why we partner with them. If you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, seasonal, Best ball dynasty, go to the FFPC. And don't forget, promo code Underworld gets you $25 off your first team. $25 off your first team, no matter what team it is, no matter what format it is, at the FFPC. Go do it. You know what that sound is, Theo? That's saying that Darren Waller has taken off back into the top end of the rankings uh, and potentially into the top of the tight end spot. But let, let's let's keep moving on. So, guys, we've seen a ton of movement at the running back position uh, through free agency. We're also going to see a lot of shakeup uh, at the NFL draft. But concentrating on these free agents, before we talk about the players that landed, we have a number of guys just sitting out here in, in free agency limbo. Which player are you most confident lands well, if any of them, between Kareem Hunt, Zeke Elliott, Lenny Fournette, and Jarek McKinnon? I'll start out with you, Debro, on this. Do any of these guys, <sighs> are you bullish on any of these four? Um, Hell no. Um, I'm not bullish on any of them. Um, this is a, a grab bag of aging and inefficient running backs. And yes, I'm even adding Kareem Hunt into that. His efficiency metrics, tackle breaking, everything dropped off a damn map last year. Um, so everybody that's like, why is Kareem Hunt not getting any more work last year in Cleveland? That's because he sucked. So I know you can miss me with all these dudes. I'm not. I, I, no. Mm -mm. Billy Muzio. The only one for me I'd be really interested in is... I, so I guess I get I, I'm interested in two, maybe three, depending upon landing spots. Let's start with let's start with just the landing spots. If Fournette and Zeke land in the right spot, high efficiency offense, a lot of goal line touches, they would be fantasy relevant from a flex perspective. You know, we're talking about like a Legarrette Blunt type situation where all they do is fall into the end zone. That would be the only situation in which I have any interest in those two players outside of best ball. Um, looking at Kareem Hunt, I know his efficiencies fell off the deep end. I think a lot of it was also just 
his buy-in to the Cleveland Browns. He wanted to be trade, requested a trade, didn't get the trade. You look at that from a mentality standpoint, and and I don't think that he gave it his all. I don't think that he wanted to continue to play for them. Therefore, I think that he just didn't care. And when you don't care, you don't produce. And I think that we can say that with Kareem Hunt because when he has been given the workload and he has proven to be, you know, be caring about his position and what he's doing, he has been pretty efficient in the past. Um, I'm going to kind of chop up the last year to him wanting to be out. Um, and, and maybe it's wrong, but this is where I kind of remove the analytics from the situation and try to look at it from a human element and say, um, if I was in his shoes and I didn't want to play for this team, would I really want to play for this coach? Would I, would I give it my all? Would I want to get injured going into a contract year? The answer is no, probably. You know, I'd want to protect myself. I'd want to make sure that I'm healthy. I'd want to make sure that I can give my best to the next team. Probably hurt him in the long run and probably from a from a money standpoint, would be able to secure that contract. But at least now he gives himself the opportunity to step into position healthy. I think if he lands in the right area, like if he lands, in my opinion, I was hoping it was going to be Miami. It's not looking like it's going to be Miami. So, but he can still land in some spots that are pretty fantasy friendly. Like I could see him being very successful inside of Atlanta, right? I could see him being very successful with the Bears, even um, not as needed now with Foreman there and Herbert still still there. But there's some situations where I think that his skill set could be highly desired by an NFL team. Like if we found out today that he signed with Arizona. I would say they'd be a perfect compliment to James Conner, right? Billy, what and, if he goes to Philly? They only have Rashad Penny. If he goes to Philly, I mean, not as not as high because they won. I love the offensive line, so I'm going to start there. But mm-hmm. they always use a three man rotation. Now they're going to probably have a four man rotation if they have if they have him in the mix because we all you know Penny's going to be healthy for about a month, but that month there's going to be four backs. Then you have Gainwell, you still have Boston Scott. We saw them involve both those backs when they had Miles Sanders there as well who is younger and more durable. If you throw in him into that equation, now you still have Gainwell, you still have Boston Scott, who they utilize in the red zone. So it's going to limit his upside from an efficiency standpoint from red zone touches. And it's going to reduce his efficiency from a receiving perspective because Gainwell is highly effective in that regard as well. So I don't think that would be a good fit. Love the offensive line, maybe what he's able to, to get on the ground, but I think it would limit his upside. I think that the one name that nobody's talking about is Jarek McKinnon who we just saw crush it over the, to the end of the season last year for Kansas City. I think if he if if he can survive Kansas City not drafting a like for like replacement type back in in the NFL draft uh or adding, you know, a potential target hog receiver and the offense slightly changes, I think McKinnon will it'll have the same path as last season where he signed for a cheap deal, a team-friendly deal to Kansas City and he falls right back into his role. Uh, whether or not Pacheco takes the next step it w- would be you know, irrelevant because McKinnon is so effective catching the ball out of the backfield. I think for the other three guys, I'd almost prefer that they sit back and have a whoever gets injured in, in the preseason go and take that job, and they could have a, a, a Devonta Freeman-like path where we saw him land in Baltimore and have a number of starts where he was like a high-end RB3. I think that would be kind of the best fantasy outcome for these guys. All, all of them... All of the non-McKinnon backs, um, you know, certainly are getting a little less efficient. They're getting a little bit older, and I think that the the only the only benefit if you're like a dynasty manager hanging on to one of these guys is the fact that they'll be able to kind of pick and choose their landing spot at this point based on injuries. Yeah, I mean, I think like looking at all these guys, the the thing that hurts all of them, and the, and outside of the age cropping up and and declining efficiency metrics, 
The other thing that hurts all these guys, and the other reason I'm not in on them, is that like we've got a deep running back class, like where a lot of these teams could just say, "I mean, screw it. Like, why am I going to sign a a Zeke or Hunt or whoever to like even like by rookie standards like a bloated contract versus drafting a guy in the fourth or fifth round, paying him rookie wages, and we're not investing anything, and he's got more juice left in his legs." You know, so that's what I think hurts. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if all these guys like are just sitting, sitting out there for the entire season. Like, I would not be surprised if Zeke, Lenny, all, all of them just don't get signed. That would not shock me at all. And the only pushback I'll have, Billy, about uh, your soliloquy about Kareem Hunt is didn't we kind of like didn't we do a little bit of that dance about being unmotivated about Allen Robinson last year. I know it's a different position. Yes. But everybody was like, well, he didn't give a shit about being in Chicago. He didn't care about that. Didn't like the coach. No, 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 no. And then he goes to Los Angeles and he's like, well, no, because he's bad. Like, mm. yeah, definitely wasn't efficient. I think definitely the same conversation. Although you look at where Hunt has been successful. And I think that with running back, you still have the option of scoring pretty easily once you're in the red zone, mm-hmm. right? Where a receiver has to beat the cornerback, has to has to be yep. able to contest catches. I think that cliff comes off pretty quick. And the running back cliff does as well, but I'm saying that you could still be old, fat, slow, and inefficient and still score touchdowns. Like, prime example was LeGant yeah. Blunt that year. Or right? Ezekiel and Elliott last year. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott last year. And so a lot of these guys still have touchdown upside. Right. And I don't think they're going to sit around the season on free agency. I think if they we do see a late signing, it'll be camp with injuries because every year we see it. Right. We see an injury pop mm-hmm. up. Look at the Ravens. Right. They lost back after back after back last year. Um, and so we see something like that happens. One of these guys will be signed if they're not signed already. There was a viral picture of Nick Sirianni showing some love to Kareem Hunt on the sideline uh, that, that people started talking about Hunt as a potential trade candidate for their, them around the trade deadline. So that would be kind of an interesting one. If Sirianni can get one of these guys for like the veteran, like a veteran's minimum, I think that that, that would be a something they might not pass up and just kind of throw them all out there and see what happens. We did have some running backs who landed and a number of running backs who landed pretty well. You can really sit back and kind of paint yourself a picture that one of these guys is going to have a big, a big fantasy season. And maybe a couple of them are successful guys that, you know, with running back two potential, Debro, who is your favorite of the running backs who signed? Um, I mean, I'm just going to go old tried and true David Montgomery. I, I I think his his landing spot, and it's not just okay. We saw this last year, but I mean, crap, we just we saw it last year. Like, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not sitting here saying that he is going to score as many freaking touchdowns as Jamal Williams did. No, I'm. What I'm not chasing touchdown expectations because it's a, that's just a bad game to play anyway. Touchdowns are fluky, and so how many you score does not really matter to me in the sense of like, what do I really care about is the fact that I think that he puts DeAndre Swift's butt on the bench. I think David Montgomery offers them the ability to be multiple on offense. Like last year, it was like, okay, Jamal Williams is on the field. Okay, they're probably not throwing the ball. If they do throw the ball, Jamal Williams is not going to be part of that. DeAndre Swift is on the field. Okay, what are they going to do? They're probably throwing the ball. He's not going to run the ball. It that type of linear, like that that one side of the coin ability for running backs makes your offense is extremely predictable. What David Montgomery can do is he offers pass game utility. He is a much like he is 
And I'm not saying he's as good of a receiver as DeAndre Swift, but he is damn good enough to sit here and eat into his pass game routes and honestly not come off the field. He could easily get like a 70%, 75% opportunity share because he could pass block, he could run routes. And if he does that inside of the context of this offense behind that offensive line, who they were top five in red zone scoring opportunities per game, like I, I will have a ton of David Montgomery uh, this year. And I mean, right now we're doing, I mean, I'd have to go look and see where his high, uh, his FFPC uh, ADP is, but I sure as hell can tell you on underdog it, the, him and David DeAndre Swift's ADPs are ridiculously inefficient. They are going to flip eventually. Like DeAndre Swift is a top 20 running back. David Montgomery's an RB three that will flip. Once we get a little more narratives, people wake the hell up. Uh, I'd love David Montgomery this year. Inside the rankings over at Player Profiler, I have them back-to-back. Running back 24, David Montgomery, Swift 25. FFPC ADP, which you can find actually uh, inside the rankings. We have a column now uh, over at Player Profiler for the FFPC rankings. ADP right now, David Montgomery 75.4. DeAndre Swift is 64.1. So the gap is definitely closing. And we're starting to see, and I'm seeing in draft rooms right now, David Montgomery start to go ahead of DeAndre Swift. Mm -hmm. It's going to flip. And and we're seeing that gap definitely close. I like that as well. David Montgomery is a and I've never been a huge David Montgomery stand, but let's face it, he's a better back than Jamal Williams. And we saw oh, what Jamal easy. Williams did last year. David Montgomery also has the ability to, I think, exceed that. Touchdown variance is a whole other question. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, in terms of just production, I think Montgomery is going to outproduce Jamal Williams. Uh, my favorite signing, I'm gonna head all the way over to the AFC West. And I want to talk about someone who's kind of off the radar right now, but I love the signing, love the opportunity, and that's going to be Smiley Pirine. Oh, that's a good, damn That's it, a very Billy. good that one, was, Billy. That was going to be my next one I was going to bring up. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Go ahead, Billy. That's I'm, I'm, a good one. I'm stealing it. So Javante Williams coming off you know, a big major knee injury, not going to be ready in time for, for week one. My question is, what week is he going to be ready? Is that week four? Is that week five? Is it week six? We don't know. Is he a pup candidate? There's a lot of uncertainty right now surrounding Javante Williams. If everything's said and done, we knew he was healthy. This would not be a conversation we were having today. But the the reality is that Javante Williams is not healthy, and he's having complications with that knee. So that opens the door up for Smahi Pirine, who also was at times playing better than Joe Mixon inside the Bengals' offense. Um, you take a look at You're being nice, Billy. He played better than the, the entire damn year for the most part. I mean, yes, uh, the entire year. You, you know, so. The ability, the ability that he brings to this team, not only as someone who's going to be able to run between the tackles, but also someone who can also catch catch passes, be involved inside the passing game, and also pass block, I think he's going to be on the field quite a bit. When I first ran my projections, I'm not going to say where he came out in my rankings because I was like, oh, I'm a little bullish on P. Ryan. <laughs> and yep. so I went through and, and kind of tempered expectations <laughs> and, 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 and reduced some of the numbers. Um, but when I first ran the numbers, he actually came in instead of a top 24 running back. Love and, it. And I so I went back. He's an RB four right yeah. now in best ball drafts. I mean, yeah, he, I went, he's, he's free. I went <laughs> back through and reran it. Um, he ended up in like the high, the high thirties. Um, it looks like some of the updates that Dario ran right now, he's down to like 45, but he's going to get back into the like 35, 36 range in my rankings. Probably by the end of the week. You're, you're going to make me look and see where I've got him. I, I, I have him as an RB3, but God darn it, I don't want to give you the wrong number here. He is, I've got him as RB31 right now in my ranks. 
See that, and I'm fine with that. And so yep. I think this is going to be a good conversation. That's still way ahead of consensus because he's in the 40s right now. He is. Yep. Last time I looked, he had gone from like RB 48. When I, I wrote up a an ADP best ball risers article for Fantasy Pros, and he was when I at the time of writing this article. And the funny thing is, like when I pulled ADPs to start the framework for this article, I had to go back and every one of these guys that are starting to already creep up, and I'm like. We got to get this thing published, baby. It's got to get out there. He was uh, RB44, and he's up to RB42 right now. Love it. I think you guys hit the nail on the head with your ranking of him, and it doesn't have to be where he finishes. I think it's points per game. He will be a running back, too. We just haven't seen Samaj Piran be able to take the beating as, a, as an NFL pro where he's seeing a high-volume role every single week. But I think in if he gives you you know 13 starts, 12 starts, I, I think he's going to put up RB2 points per game numbers. I think it'll be very useful. And I'll just uh, piggyback off of Debro's D- David Montgomery pick. I think that it's 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 kind of like the the seven stages of grief for DeAndre Swift uh, <laughs> fantasy managers, but it's like we're we're trying to talk ourselves into hey it's okay because David Montgomery is just going to be the Jamal Williams role and we're going to catch all these passes. But David Montgomery has always been an efficient pass catcher, and last year Chicago their volume was way way down passing wise, but he actually had his highest yards per catch of his entire career. And the Detroit offensive coordinator, uh, Ben Johnson is one of these smartest guys in the room, like for real guy, not like a, like a fake one. Like he's a real sharp and he maximizes his players. He has on the field. Um, and I think he's going to find a way it's, it's, he's not going to let defenses, you know, have predictability where David Montgomery's in, we're running the ball. Deandre Swift in, we're, we're passing the ball. You're going to see David Montgomery used in creative ways in the passing game. He's going to get 30 plus receptions um, and I think that'll propel him to, you know, potentially high RB2 numbers. One guy that I think is interesting is is Jamal Williams. Uh, when you watched his introductory press conference, he's got the swag of a guy who's got a big-ass role. This is not a guy that's coming in to, you know, slot behind Kamara. I think that there's uh, internal belief that Kamara's suspension will be a very long one. Jamal Williams, I think, is going to end up being a very effective player. Again, I I don't think he's some do- fantastic talent. But he has tremendous attitude. He's he's very efficient, and we know he can find the end zone. And he also showed earlier in his career that he can catch the ball. So I think that he'll be a big part of the Saints' attack. His his ADP and situation kind of reminds me of 2021 James Conner, where James Conner was kind of under the radar and ends up being a an RB one based on situation, and he just sort of ran with it. So I, I'm I'm definitely excited. Anything to add on on those guys? Theo, I'm loving it. You're like you're you're literally reading off the script of guys that I have in my ADP Risers article. Like Jamal Williams, right above Samaj P. Ryan. He's at RB35. I I love that call, man. And that's why, like, I love doing drafts this time of year because you can the ADP is so fantastic. Like to just go with like to to experiment with a lot of different builds. But right now, like all these guys we're talking about. This is why you can just just lean in to zero RB, dude. Like David Montgomery, you're not spending up for. Jamal Williams, you're not spending up for. Samaj P. Ryan, you're not spending up for. See a trend here? Like there are so many good running backs that are not just like, okay, one injury away, but like they're going to have a standalone role from week one. And that role could easily grow like based off of one thing of news, not even like, oh, this guy needs to be injured or whatever. It's like, okay, Javante Williams starts on the pup. There you go. Samaj P. Ryan. Pew! Uh, Alvin Kamara suspension. 
gets announced, as soon as that gets announced, he's going to be a top 24 running back, period. So, like, draft him now. Like, these are not hard narratives and things to see. Like, one thing happens, and you will never see that ADP again. I love this time of year. Like, even start drafting. Like, I usually start drafting around the Super Bowl. And it's always the Wild West because there is no ADP. At least now in March, there's, like, some sort of consensus. But Mm -hmm. when you're drafting in Super Bowl time, like, people are going, like, draft to draft, like, four rounds different, five rounds different because people are trying to figure out where they're going. But you can build some monster squads right now. Uh, you looking <laughs> back at some of the FFPC teams I drafted last year in the Never Truly Best Ball Tournament. Everything said and done, I had five picks inside the top three rounds at the end of August ADP in the early Best Ball Tournament because everybody moved up. It was Michael Pittman mm-hmm. that moved all the way up once once the signing happened. It was Mike Williams who moved up when he when he resigned with the Chargers, right? you're able to take a look and take gambles on situations and scenarios. And if you bet on the player rather than the landing spot, and you know, the talent eventually is going to shine through, or you look at what Derek just said, the suspension or, or whatever it may be, there's always going to be a situation early in drafts that are going to drastically affect ADP. And if you can capitalize on that, you're going to make a lot of money. It's, it's the easy thing of, okay, all we need is one, piece of news not massive massive news or if you're if you're diving into the rookie well all they have to do is get drafted like like zach charbonnet is an rb3 right now once he if he goes in the second round he's going up like these are not hard things to understand but again that's why we draft early well there's certain fantasy managers who never want any kind of uncertainty and those kind of fantasy uh, managers usually do not win very that's, big. That's usually the ones that are bottom four in their leagues. And I'll throw out a... We're the, always one, sixth. One guy we didn't talk about, guys, but I'll throw out a, a non-show sheet question. Who scores more running back fantasy points for the Chicago Bears this season? Ooh. Deonta Foreman or Khalil Herbert? Because I'm, oh. on that, I'm on that Foreman train. There's one guy we didn't talk about, but I'm very excited about Deonta Foreman in that offense at a discount. Uh, it scares me a lot for, you know, people who have been drafting a lot of Khalil Herbert. Where are you at on that one? Start with Billy. Uh, go to Derek Brown. So I look for a boo soundbite in the meantime, so I can boo you. <laughs> <laughs> I am all on the Herbert train here. All on not, there you go. I, uh, okay. I will go. This is a really good question, man. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I'm looking for that. I'm seriously looking for that. I'll go Herbert. And the reason I'm going to go Herbert is because both of these guys were were pretty efficient last year, depending on what elusivity metrics, tackle breaking metrics you look at. Both these guys graded out really high. The reason I'm going to lean Khalil Herbert is because I think that if you're looking at how to project this backfield, what guy can do more with less? And that comes down to Khalil Herbert. Like, could you see, put it this way, which one of these guys, if you give 10 carries to both of them, has the chance to bust off a long run or get you 70 in a score versus Deontay Foreman is a volume back to me. He needs massive volume to kind of like hit those high-end parts of his range of outcomes. Where Khalil Herbert, we've already seen him do it. Like, we've already seen him pop off with usable games in a split backfield last year. If he's so if his opportunity share goes up just a little bit or a good bit, we could see even more things, but he doesn't need 
the 20 carries a game to really pay off as opposed to somebody like Deontay Foreman. Billy, before you cook, before you cook. Ebro said it. Who were you on again, Theo? Was it Herbert? Or okay, so we'll, we'll, no, no, I, tell me if you, you tell me that I can have if you could tell me I can have if you could tell me I can have one or the other. I'm taking Khalil Herbert, but Billy, right now Khalil Herbert's going to go somewhere between running back 28, running back 30, and Deonta Foreman is down below running back 45. So but I think there's a ch- earlier you mentioned that you were on who was it? What was the running back's name? I am on Foreman at cost. I found it in time. I wanted to use it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it is cost the, okay. Okay. When you when you when you rephrase it that way, knowing the boo is coming, at, it makes no, sense. No, at cost, but, hey, we're all at cost. With I didn't hear here. at cost. The first no, no, time now he's throwing out. I didn't, I didn't hear. I didn't hear that last time. Did, fellas, Did you hear I can, that, Billy? I didn't hear no, that. No, it's funny. It's, I, it's funny how that changed after the. I can. Game. I can draft. We, we I can draft both. Print, in, Billy, we didn't read the fine print. I can draft both in best ball right now because there there's such a big <laughs> oh, gap between God. both of them. But God, I will say, you. if you tell me I'm getting Deonta Foreman as a low end. <laughs> RB4, which is what he is. Foreman's FFPC ADP is 123. Herbert is uh, 88.9. Okay, so um, I still at cost. It's not that big of a difference. I mean, at cost, I still want Herbert. Foreman, I agree everything Derek said. Foreman needs volume. He's going to need... He's he's not involved in the passing game. He's never eclipsed more than 5% of target share at any point in his career. He's only had 21 targets in the last three years combined. Herbert at one point last year before his injury was RB seven in rushing yards before he got hurt. I mean, he is highly efficient. There's a reason why he was on the field when they still had David Montgomery and Foreman ain't no David Montgomery. And I wasn't a big David Montgomery fan, but at least I can agree that he was highly more effective and efficient than Dave, than Foreman is. To me, Herbert is it, not even in the same ballpark as Foreman in terms of skill set at this point in their careers. And Herbert has the ability to take it to the house, get a breakaway run, be heavily involved in all fashions of the offense. It's pretty clearly Herbert, in my opinion. I think Foreman is going to be very dependent upon red zone packages and and falling in the end zone and and maybe busting out a big run here and there. But it's going to be the opportunity or the in a poker world, his outs of success are far more limited than yeah. Herbert's. Yeah, it's, I don't disagree. It's the fantasy football Mandela effect when you ask people how many yards Foreman had last year. Because my, my man Deonta Foreman went over 900 yards rushing last year. Don't sleep on Deonta Foreman, everyone. This remains. But they didn't have any other running back. They were hurt. I mean, we had we had injuries with Chupa there, and so they Ch- were just Chuba's running not the ball. good too. Let's and throw that and out there. They couldn't throw the ball. They had to run the ball. Chuba is not good. I will give you that I, one. So the the biggest, I, I guess, also, and and I'm going to go hand in the dirt here. What's the NFL telling us with Deonta Foreman? Like legit like back-to-back seasons he's played pretty damn good like tennessee played good uh carolina played good and yet he's gotten damn near nothing for a contract like one year bleh, deals like he's one i think also the other thing is. is like nfl is telling us like okay he's good but he's ev- easily replaceable is 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 what i'm kind of reading here for, for sure. I want to stay with another kind of choppy question. Who is the Carolina Panthers wide receiver you would most like to roster right now? And does do any of those three have a path to like a sneaky wide receiver three finish? Start with Debro on this one. Adam Thielen, <laughs> DJ Shark, Terrace Marshall. 
I got the boo button ready. Can I say none? Can can I? This can is. I, say- I will say. I will say. This is a DJ Shark podcast. Billy is always DJ uh, Shark. So be careful right. here, D bro. I okay. I'm always like, Paris Marshall too, though. But I like Shark for what he is. If I'm gonna take a shot on one of these guys. I'll take a shot in the dark on Terrace Marshall, and I'm going to take the shot in the dark on Terrace Marshall because we've seen enough of... Welcome. We've seen enough of... All right, we know who Adam Thielen is at this point in his career. He's a declining efficiency. He, he He's a more of a locker room guy, and just we need to add competence around our rookie quarterback. And we know who DJ Chark is. Like, he is a really low-end, like, number two wide receiver, better cast as a wide receiver three, a field stretcher. Frank Wright can say whatever the hell he wants to about DJ Chark becoming a more complete wide receiver. I heard those same things out of Jacksonville, um, and it didn't happen. So if I'm going to take a shot on one of these guys, give me Terrace Marshall based off of what we saw down the stretch. He played all of his snaps basically on the perimeter. He had some spike weeks, showed us in singular game samples that he he showed us flashes like he had multiple games where he was above like 1.8 1.9 yards per route run and to me i'm like okay well i mean you're showing us that like okay we don't need to fully bury you the the rookie stuff you being hurt was real they they basically shoved you on a put you on a shelf um and didn't use you at all so it, based off of what we saw last year, are those things indicative of talent? Maybe not. And looking at this wide receiver room, I'll take the shot in the dark on the guy that we haven't seen the prolonged stretch. And I don't usually go with the mystery box player, but out of these guys, I'll take the mystery box over the two known commodities. I, I really like your answer on that one. And I will say that this is not a situation we should completely ignore as fantasy managers because rookie mm-hmm. quarterbacks oftentimes have tunnel vision and they get locked on a target. And I think that there is a chance that your your Terrace Marshall call is the correct one. And if you're wrong, you're using a late pick on him anyway. It's not going to mm-hmm. hurt you. But I think he does have a path. It kind of reminds you a little bit of a, another former LSU wide receiver who didn't do a whole lot his first year in the league in DJ Shark where DJ Shark had that crazy year um, in Jacksonville where he was like a high-end wide receiver too with, mm-hmm. you know, YOLO shots down the field to him every single game and a high target share. You could see that with like a CJ Stroud developing a, a relationship with a, with a younger wide receiver. Uh, Billy, Billy, share your thoughts on Terrace Marshall. I like Terrace Marshall. I had really high hopes for him. I think I tempered him a little bit once they added the um, – old Adam Thielen, or as Theo would say, dusted Adam Thielen. Um, DJ Chark definitely is intriguing in this offense. Um, Just don't know if they're going to be able to get him the ball down the field with a rookie quarterback as as much you'd like to see it. Um, I think that Chark, from a talent standpoint, is probably at this point the most talented of the three receivers, at least from a skill set when you take in speed, height, and everything, consider it. Um, You know, he's six foot three, 200 pounds. When he came out of college, ran a four three forty, so it has the ability to get down the field. You hit the nail on the head when you talked about his 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 years at Jacksonville. He was wide receiver nineteen that year in fantasy points per game, fourteen point nine. He was like number two in air yards that that season with one thousand four hundred fifty two. Um, I was pretty high on Chark last year in this Lions offense. I think I had him ranked as a top forty receiver. He was on track prior to his injury. He ended up finishing the seventies. Um, it's interesting right now, and you take a look at draft rooms, and you can see without 
peaking. And if you know the answer, Theo, because you watched the draft, don't don't give it away for Derek. Where do you think? What round does the first Carolina Panther get drafted in from receiving option? Ooh. Round 10. Round 16. Adam Thielen was the first receiver I'm- off the board. And then two picks Thielen's later. Thielen's the first one? Yep. And Wolf. then the first, two picks later, DJ Chark. And then one whole round later, Terrace Marshall. So you, you can literally, if you wanted to, you could literally stack all three of these guys in a draft. I don't know why you would, but you But guys. don't do it, guys. First <laughs> yeah. fantasy. No, don't do that. Don't do don't, that. Don't do 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 I'm just that. Saying, if you wanted to, you could, right? We're looking at 1% outcomes here. This could be a 1% outcome. <laughs> Billy's like, like, if you would like to burn your money, please triple stack the Carolina oh, I, Panthers. Baby. I definitely go on. I definitely go a little crazy sometimes, but I'm not going this crazy. But you could technically own all three of these guys in around 16 and 17 technically by coming back through and picking these guys 56 no, like a back-end stack that's not a bad thing like if you go skinny with it like that's your back-end stack like i don't it's, hate that i wouldn't do all three but I, what i'm saying no, is that all these skinny. guys can be had cheap in drafts is where i'm going with this <laughs> and that they're all the market seems to agree that everyone's kind of like eh, right what's going to happen with all three of these receivers the one thing i will say is adam thielen despite his dustiness is always able to find the end zone so that is you know, touchdowns are the variances yeah, and you want to quarterback rapport. Like he's so not going to have the Kirk cousin man van to, to lean on with that. True. But I just want to point that out. It's going to take a lot for DJ Chark to consistently get the ball in the field. I think Terrace Marshall has the most upside in this offense is where I was going with this conversation. Yeah, I, so, I, I don't disagree at all, man. Like, I, I think that if you're looking at it, like and, and one one other point about Terrace is that if you're looking at a wide receiver room of guys that are showing like basically at, at their perspective career marks or what they've shown us their entire careers, like look, look at, look at what's around Terrace. Okay. Aging Adam Thielen. He is not earning targets at a high rate. Hayden Hurst does not earn targets at a high rate. DJ Chark does not earn targets at a high rate. If one of these guys, if Terrace can prove he has talent and can earn targets at a high rate. His target share could surprise us this year too. As so much what you're saying is, that, is it's Miles Sanders. Well, guys, for the record, <laughs> Billy Billy Muzio Billy Muzio is recommending a five man Carolina stack. He wants you to take CJ Stroud, <laughs> Miles Sanders, all three wide receivers, and he will allow you to do a six man stack with with Hayden yeah. Hurst. Fuck it, so, throw in the tight end too. Throw it all in. Throw it all in. <laughs> Mega stack, uh, guys. I want to. I want to start moving a little bit quickly on these. On these next couple ones, Debro, talk about your love of Jalen Warren, because mm-hmm. I love it as well. And then we're also going to share a, a a perceived handcuff running back that we're high on right now. Debro, go ahead and cook with Jalen Warren right now. Yeah, I mean, dude, I I like talented players that show efficiency um, and earn more volume. Um, and, and, why why do people not like that like the fact of it is is that Jalen Warren with every opportunity that he got last year he was incredibly efficient like regardless of you're looking at breakaway run rate you're looking at uh he was also really good in the passing game uh as well as yards uh yards created uh he was good in all these different facets basically and this lines up with his collegiate numbers he is a guy that should never have gone undrafted if you look at it uh, going all the way back to college the guy was um, I put out a tweet like last year at the very beginning of, of like basically guys to stash on your dynasty rosters and to take shots in best ball. I was there last year. I'm back in again this year. 
Like Jalen Warren has proved he can be efficient. Najee last year struggled. I really think Najee was hurt for most of the year or dealing with things because after the plate uh, got removed from a shoe, we saw a different Najee Harris. But this is all to say that Jalen Warren showed that he earned more volume in this offense and that he's a better, he's a more efficient pass catcher than Najee. This could easily devolve into a committee where you see Jalen Warren taking passing down snaps away from Najee. And if he gets, if anything happens to Najee and he gets hurt, Jalen Warren is, he should be up there in the premium handcuff tier of running backs. He should be going as an RB4 in drafts. He is not. He is going in the RB5 and 6 range. Like right now in my ranks, I've got Jalen Warren as RB42. And this is with rookies included, okay? So, and I, I can make you an easy case to push him even higher. Like, do I want Jalen Warren and his upside over Rashad White? Uh, hell yes. You know, like, there's guys around him where I could push him into the back-end RB3 category because we've already seen him have a standalone role. But his contingent upside, if anything happens to Harris, is not even close to being baked into his ADP at all. I like that one. And also you saw in the second half of last season, Mike Tomlin talk about getting him more involved by name. He talked up Jalen Warren. That's sort of a Tomlin guy. And I do think that it's that the undrafted free agent thing sticks with you. And I think a lot of drafters will, you know, kind of discount uh, Warren as kind of a guy you could push away because of it. I'll throw out another. uh, uh, There's a coaching change on the offensive side of the ball in Washington with Eric Bieniemy taking over. Uh, and I think that there's a chance that Antonio Gibson, um, it, again, this is a little bit uh, of a of a kind of an easier one because Brian Robinson is certainly way down in ADP, um, you know, and he's closer to Antonio Gibson. But I'll take the backup there, uh, the perceived backup, and I think he's a very good value right now. I I'm bullish on what Bienemy can do with Gibson. Uh, I think he'll be very efficient on a per touch basis, and I think he's exactly the kind of explosive player that can take the pressure off of a Sam Howell or a Brissett or whoever's behind center in Washington. Billy, your thoughts on Warren and Gibson, and give us another one that you're interested in. Well, you stole mine. I was going to use Gibson, so I agree with you on Gibson. I got you. Um, you got me like three times last week. So. Well, no, no no, cheering sounder yeah. for that one, Billy? No? Yeah, we need to. There we go. The undeserves um, it. Give, give him that. I ran, I, ran pure, I ran pure on that one. That's great. Yeah, come on. Give him his own. I guess I could go back to the well again and say smite here, but I feel like it's cheating. I can't no, go back to the well. That's cheating because um, he's now a starter. Cheating. He's don't a starter. That. He's, um, oh, Billy. Now I'm on the spot. Um, so I agree with everything that he said about Warren. Um, I like Warren as well. I actually looked at my rankings. says, why am I so low on him? And realized I didn't have his, his yards per carry accurate. So I just updated that. It looks like he moved to running back 47. Yeah. So yes. we're actually we're, we're in line. Um, his expected was is expected is like four point nine. I don't think he hits that, but I, I have I just moved it to four point five. It was it was defaulted to four for some reason. So that's now adjusted. I need to go through and, and look at those tweak those. Uh, not being able to take Gibson, I think I'm going to go to Kenneth Gainwell. And I okay. the debate here is does he count as a handcuff? Right, because we're looking at the contract that we have with penny they're not paying him starter money although i think penny has the ability to be if not i'd hate to say this but i think penny has the ability to be an rb1 in this league when you look at his that's not crazy at all when you look at his efficiency what he did in the stretch and i think 2021 was the year he had a remarkable 
finish. And I, it, health is the only issue with Penny. If he, could, if this guy could stay healthy and on the field all year round, he has the ability to be possibly the RB one overall, at least the top, at least a RB one in football. I do not expect him to play the entire year healthy though. So, which is why I love Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell also is a perfect compliment in my opinion, because he's very effective in the passing game. He's explosive and he's actually utilized highly in the red zone. Um, so I love the opportunity that we're going to see from Gainwell because I don't think that Sirianni and the Eagles are going to commit to Penny as a true workhorse back like they did 200 plus carries to to Miles Sanders. I think we're going to see even more of a rotation between these three backs. They have one of the best offensive lines of football. So I love Gainwell and his ADP right now. He is climbing up boards and he continues to climb, but I still think that he's still adequately priced for what his upside entails. I freaking uh, love Rashad Penny so damn much, man. It's <laughs> like I, I I'm willing to even like I know his ADP has creeped up since he signed, like in the nineties and the eighties. Like I'm fine still taking the shot there because it's still not his full upside. Like I'm with everything you said, Billy. Like and and, and I, I don't want to cut Theo off here, but like just a small penny rant here, man. Like his over the penny last for your years, thoughts. He, oh, good lord, he did not do that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. That's bad, even by my dad joke standards. I still gotta call that one out. Like, um, Rashad Penny, I I have to say this, and I'm not being hyperbolic. His last two seasons have been like legendary as far from a tackle breaking perspective. When he has been healthy, you can go all the way back to 2006. He is the only player to finish a season with over 4.5 yards after contact per attempt. That number for everybody out there is stupid, 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 stupid good. So like when I tweeted out earlier, like when he got signed, Rashad Penny is a dark horse to, to lead the NFL in rushing. I'm not doing that shit for clicks. Like that's real. If there is a way where he gets 200 and 202, like 200 carries, 225. 250. He can lead 188 on rushing. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, dude, he's he's that damn good. It's just health. It's just health. I'll get I'll say that our chat is is lit today, guys. A, a shout out to Dan Williamson, one of my co-hosts, the Goat District podcast in the chat, lighting it up. Um, it's great. I wish we could get to more, but we're we're moving along here, guys. Debro and Billy, give me your favorite second year wide receiver at cost right now. You know, we've seen for multiple seasons where these second year wide receivers absolutely crush their ADP. We saw it last year with Devonta Smith, and it happens every single year. Who is your favorite second year wide receiver at cost, Billy? Oh, man. Cost is the, I missed the cost piece. You can have two. You can have two of these, Billy. Um, you know, there's a number of them that are, hit, that are pretty hit us reasonable. Hit with some ADPs here, Theo. Give, give us ADPs on a few guys, or, or Billy, if y'all haven't pulled up. Because I think I think that's a good thought exercise here for the people at home. Okay, let's start with um, here we go. I'll pull it up as as we're talking about it. And this um, is from the this is the this is FFPC, correct? FF, FFPC ADP. Yep. So let's let's start. Um, Garrett Wilson right now is going at nineteen point six. Um, we have Christian Watson is going fifty one point four. Drake London is going forty nine. Even wow, Alave. Um, oh, thank you. I missed Alave. Yep. Alave is going as 32.3. Jamison Williams should be next, probably. Ja- yeah, Jamison Williams is going 69. 
Okay. It, you can't love it just because the number of Theo. You have to like tra- the actual tra- The first 69 I was waiting for a nice comment session. or something out of Theo, and it never came, man. That <laughs> Listen, was, I, I was thought funny. it. I thought it. I held back. We all thought in. it. I was just yeah. waiting for you to say it, though. <laughs> Traylon, Traylon Burkstrom out there, Billy. Throw George Burks Pickens is 89.8. Pickens is 82.4. Jahan Dotson is 91. Let's Let's finish it there. Okay. Mm. No, oh, we can throw in Romeo. Me. We can throw in Romeo. For no, 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 no. Leave, no, we, don't leave him out there. we don't have to throw in Romeo. <laughs> and don't George, do that to George Pickens, Billy. <laughs> George Pickens is where? Uh, George Pickens was 82.4 too early. Uh, that, that's called a trap there, sir. Uh, okay. So, D-Bro, D-Bro, do you want to throw your boy Christian Watson out here and, and hype him up? I mean, this is on brand yeah, for you. I mean, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the word go. Um, you go. You go. I'm okay. So there's two guys for me. It's going to be Christian Watson is number one. Traylon Burks is number two. Um, Christian, I, I don't understand this. This comes down to like redraft FFPC dynasty. What, however you want to apply this shit, you, go ahead. Christian Watson is mispriced. People are still all up in their feels about like, okay, well, small school, he's raw or whatever. Or the fact that they swung and missed and said he was going to suck as a rookie. And then they don't want to sit here and bite that apple. Like, he is good. If you look at any one of the metrics, it's going to tell you he's good. He earns targets at a high rate. He's efficient as hell. His yards per route run is fantastic. He was, oh, let me pull this up here. Per uh, ESPN Analytics, uh, Christian Watson, where are you, sir? Oh, he's 14 in open rate. So basically, how often is he getting open? Which, uh, if we're looking at the numbers, is three spots ahead of Jamar Chase. Just for context here, people. Christian Watson is a damn alien. He's going to earn targets. I, I love the guy. Um, if you're looking at it, the only thing that can cap his ceiling is not talent. It is pace of play and that affecting his volume. And But <clears throat> here's the thing we don't know for Green Bay. We have only seen a Matt LaFleur offense run with Aaron Rodgers. Now, yes, their, their, their passing rates have been top 12 every year. The pace has been bottom three. So it sucks down the volume. I'm not going to throw it out the window that we could see a Green Bay offense that's run a little bit different. Like conventional wisdom is going to tell you, okay, it's it's going to run the same way. We have a different quarterback now. Like some of these things can get tied to the set quarterback and not just the play caller. So if Green Bay decides they're going to run like a middle of the road pace offense this year, it's going to help. Christian Watson, and there's nobody on the depth chart that earns targets right now. Christian Watson is the standalone alpha right now. Like Romeo Dubs has never been good. He's not good. I'm sorry, people, but you got sucked into the hype. Apologies. But Christian Watson is that damn dude. So, yeah, Christian Watson's my number one. Traylon's number two. I was not a huge Traylon guy, and I caught 10 types of shit last year for ranking Christian Watson over Traylon Burks. And I'm sorry, like, that's I, I'm going to follow my process. I'm not going to follow the echo chamber of social media and Twitter and people saying, well, yeah, 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 yeah. like, look, everything sounds crazy until it freaking happens. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, we should have seen that coming. Last year, I said Jalen Hurts could be a possible MVP candidate. He was a league winner. People are like, oh, there's no way in hell. He can't throw the football. And then it happens. And people are like, well, yeah, didn't you see Jalen Hurts going to come down there and do great? Like. It's all that happens every damn year. If you're willing to stick your neck out and follow your process, we all talk about how different ideas are great, but they're not exactly embraced when you say them and you go against the echo chamber. So 
Traylon Burks being that guy, I'm in on him. I was not in on him last year. His metrics are good enough to where I could see a breakout. I am high on Tim Kelly being the offensive coordinator because the sample size we've seen out of Tim Kelly when he was in Houston, and yes, some of that maybe can tie to Deshaun Watson, but if it's not, Tennessee is going to throw more this year. They're going to throw more this year, and their pace could pick up. Is that something I'm going to write in stone and say it's going to happen? No, but it's not being baked into where Traylon Burks is going right now, and he's the number one option in that offense. Austin Hooper's gone. Nick Wick, Westbrook Akine is not a, a, not a thing. Kyle Phillips is not a target earner. Hell, he could barely even get on the field last year. Chig is a part-time player. We don't know if he's going to step into a full-time role. I think he can, but still, he's still a move guy. He's probably not going to play when they go into 12 personnel and stuff, or if he's asked to block, that's still a projection. So Traylon Burks, his upside is not being fully baked into his ADP, and the same thing could be said for Christian Watson. Billy, you go because I don't want to steal your guy again and do that to you twice in the show. So you go ahead. No, I'm going against the grain, so go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to pick someone okay. we didn't mention. So I think that there's that I, I there's a couple I I really really like, um, but I do think that this is a group of players that you want to have exposure to. I think that a number of these guys are going to hit. I think that this is going to go down as a historically very good receiving class. We already saw it how quickly they broke out as rookies, and I think we continue to see it as sophomores. <laughs> I'll piggyback a little bit on Debro. Christian Watson is a unicorn. And I think that yes. it's, it's so easy to kind of to kind of discount what he did because of the sample size. But we talk about Jordan Love as starting QB. Again, a guy with less NFL experience. Those guys are more likely to highly target their number one option, have slight tunnel vision for Christian Watson in the passing game. I've heard the Martavis Bryant comparisons but we never saw martavis bryant as like alpha volume so if we if we put you know martavis bryant with no target competition around him with the kind of breakaway speed christian watson has where the the green bay coaching staff is going to manufacture touches for him i don't think we've seen the full skill set again he was a he was a uh, an fcs guy so this is that was his first year again seeing those sort of corners and those sort of defensive backs I think that it's sort of he's a different player, but it's sort of like Tyreek Hill, where you see a guy that can run away from NFL defenses at an alarming rate. Watson's very interesting at ADP. And I will say right around him is a guy in Drake London, who I think took a big step to Love end it. the season last year. I think he is a we throw out the term alpha often, but he's Drake. Alpha, he's an alpha. Drake is Drake. London is an alpha like he's a he's a big ass, tough wide receiver who can win in the red zone. And we started to see him with Desmond Ritter developing a nice chemistry where he was seeing like nine plus targets per game over the last few games of the year last year. He played very young last year as a rookie. I think he could take a really, really big step. So I love those two guys right at the four five turn. And I'll say uh, I love the, your Burks call. I think he's a guy that we've talked about a lot. And I do think Jahan Dotson with the new offensive coordinator at 91 is interesting as well. Billy. Or go ahead. You all say real fast to you before Billy weighs in here. I love the London call and he's already proved the concept. Like he was wide receiver 20 over that back half and he did it with no freaking touchdowns. If he gets into the end zone twice, he's probably a wide receiver one. And then we're like, well, he's already proved it. And then like, there's talk. Tell me this. If he just scored two or three touchdowns, would we be having an Amon Ross St. Brown esque kind of conversation walking into this year where it's like, he exploded down the stretch. 
He earned a shit ton of volume. He scored touchdowns. Can he do it again? I like both of the guys that you picked. London's actually one of my guys on the player profiler site. If you go under to the right staff pick section on the ranks, we got the little finger now. Every analyst gets three players they get to pick. Drank London is one of mine. Love his target share. It is involved in this offense. I think it's going to continue. Billy, where do you have him ranked? 25 right now, wide receiver. Okay, okay. So, but I've, Billy, I've he was him... close for you, right? Like, Billy, you you have him in a maybe name a couple guys in his in his tier, Billy, just to show kind of the confidence you have in him. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, um, Tyler Lockett, all kind of in that same area. I think he has the ability to outperform all those guys. I think London is definitely younger, has the ability. If Godwin and Mike Evans had a quarterback other than Baker Mayfield, I would say it's pretty easy to rank them ahead of him. But because of the uncertainty right now, I think London uh, and the target share that he saw, I think, is is going to be uh, slightly ahead. But it's all very close right there. I have Drake um, London as a top 15 wide receiver. I have him ranked aggressive. extremely aggressively because I want people drafting his ass often. Yeah, that's so you have him in like the Higgins, Metcalf, Olave range. I have him hugged up right next to Christian Watson. I want people searching for second year Second and third year wide receivers are awesome ass bets to make. Awesome bets to make. So, so I'm I want people, people drafting them aggressively. I'm going to throw a curveball because we didn't mention the name, but I gave you guys talked long enough to give me some time to really think about second year wide receivers. And there's one that people are completely forgetting about, and it's because of health, right? Okay. And that's John Mechie. So John Mechie oh, okay. came into the draft last year. Um, he was drafted at the beginning of the second round, pick 212 to be exact, came out of Alabama. Right, was very productive inside of his his career in Alabama. Had 1,100 receiving yards in 2021, 900 receiving yards in 2020. Um, you know, three year career there in Alabama. Um, I definitely think the news out of camp is promising. They're saying he's going to be ready by camp. You look at the rest of this wide receiver core, and it's disgusting. Right? They have Chris Moore, they have Noah Brown, they have Robert Woods, who's a shell of himself. You know, the Nico Collins, who's underperformed as well. So John Mechie has every opportunity, if healthy, to take in the number one role in this offense. It's a team who's going to have a rookie quarterback. It's going to be playing from behind. Their defense was kind of hidden last year because everyone ran the ball gets because they're always up. And so from a metric standpoint, they look better than they were on paper from a defensive standpoint. But this team is going to be playing catch up and consistently throwing the ball. And I think that's going to bode well for John Mechie and his stats if he's healthy. And we're rooting for John Mechie. It's it's awesome to see him come back from a health scare like that. Yeah. Um, it'll be very, very cool to see him make a big impact in Houston. Do you know where he's going right now in drafts in FFPC? <laughs> he's he's got to be left for, I mean, like buried. 197.9. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say 18th Great. round. 18th it's out round. of sight, out of mind. Yeah. It's because he's yeah. been out and nobody's like, there's literally not been one like positive blurb on him. Like, like that's gotten traction. Just from a projection standpoint, just like, and, and this is, this is probably, this is probably low, in my opinion. This was kind of a conservative number based upon his health and where he stands right now in that timeline. But 11% target share, 64.4 targets, 442 yards, and three touchdowns, roughly. Now, yeah. if, if we knew today that he's healthy and he's going to be in camp and get all the reps of the offense, I think you could bump him up to 14%, roughly, right? And I think was a, I, I was going to sit here and throw out, I think he's he's basically a free... 90 80 90 targets you can add to your team what were that put him around billy 80 something um at 14 percent yeah 14 live projection updates as we're talking you love 14% it percent would put him at 81.9 targets yep. to put him at 563 yards and almost four scores that would move him in the rankings projections to 
wide receiver number 69. Okay. And that, I mean, those are median, you know, like, so yep. if he earns targets at a higher rate, you're looking at maybe he gets closer to the mid nineties of the hundreds, you know, and I mean, all the projections go up from there. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree at all. He's, I, I love that call because he's free right now. Like he's nobody's drafting him. So if you're doing some of these like large field tournaments and stuff like that, like he's a great way to kind of get different with your rosters too. It's okay. My ownership's already high enough. We his ADP can climb now. We can talk about him. <laughs> real, real quick around the horn. Are we in or out on Brandon Cooks at cost as a potential number two target in Dallas? Start with D bro. What's his ADP right now? I'm pulling it up for you right now. So his ADP for Cooks right now is one hundred seven point four. What right um, around right around wide receiver Billy? That's, that's around nine and ten. Yeah, wide receiver forty five to forty eight ish. Um. I think that's appropriate. I mean, like at that spot, I'm in. Um, I'll take him there because where's he in you your rankings? At, he, you I'm looking him? right now. Um, I want to say I have him as a wide receiver three, four ish type. Um, I've got Brandon Cooks as wide receiver, wide receiver 45 right now, which is probably a little bit low, but I've got rookies in this and stuff too. So, um, I can make you a really good case for like low end wide receiver three. Um, I mean, the big thing is that Brandon Cook still has the juice, man. Like he was poorly cast by Pep Hamilton last year in, in a low A dot role. Once they put him back to f- stretch in the field, he was wide receiver 32 over the last few weeks of the season. So he can still get open. Everything says he could still get open. I, like I, I'm in as long as he doesn't rise above like. Probably like wide receiver 36 wide receiver 38 range. I'm in. Brandon I, Cooks I, has been in the league for like it seems like 30 years and he's only 29. Yeah. It's he's he was so young coming out of college. I think he's a perfect complement to CeeDee Lamb. Like oh, he, he doesn't is. he doesn't need to be the number one anymore. Lamb is 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 you know definitely the superior receiver. Um he's gonna come in and add a, a necessary piece to this offense. They lose Schultz, they're gonna need someone to at least take away some of that, you know, heat from CeeDee Lamb. I think that's a perfect combo. I actually moved Lamb up in my rankings after this happened because of the compliment. Where do you have Lamb at? Because now I got to know about Lamb. Lamb, I think I'm at. Let me let me pull it up real quick. Lamb, I think I'm at five or six. I'm at wide receiver number five. Yeah, Yeah, it's I've I've got him there. It's interesting because we haven't seen Brandon Cooks as a number two option since his Rams days. Like this is it. I think that's it's a really nice it's a really nice scenario for Lamb. And it's also a great scenario for Cooks. Um, I'm I'm slightly bullish on that that Dak comeback this year. Uh, you know, I don't need to overdraft him, but I think Dak at cost is a nice value. Wanted to uh, we're we're creeping up here on the hour and a half mark, so we're going to get deeper out of here pretty soon. But I want to get your thoughts on Cam Akers, Debro. <laughs> this is a running back you think is a league winner right now, and then share your thoughts on Akers, and then Billy and I will share a, our favorite value running back right now. I again a guy that is just ridiculously and horribly mispriced like it, it, it it's all and i'm not even gonna say it's recency bias because cam Akers balled out towards the the stretch run it's all of the 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 narratives it's uh the achilles it's all these different things like he's going in the rb3 range and but yet we're looking at a player that was rb6 in weeks 13 through 18 last year like which is basically he's gonna play walk right back into the same role that he had he had he played 72% of the uh snaps 
in five of the final six games. So you're telling me a guy that and not only that, like he showed us over that stretch that he was breaking tackles. He was top. He was 21st in yards after contact per attempt. He was seventh in PFF's elusive rating. So he showed you he has the juice. He showed you he has he has the the role on lock. The only thing keeping his ADP down, what is, is the Rams offense if it's a dumpster fire? Okay, well, yeah, if it's a dumpster fire, it was a dumpster fire last year, and that's what he did. They had freaking, like, backup guys. Baker Mayfield was playing freaking quarterback, and he was a top 10 back. Like, if Stafford is healthy, Cup is back, why can't Cam Akers be an RB1? He's already shown us he could do that. What's What's changed? You got my eyes open to Akers. For me, the and I'm going to go before Billy in case he says them. The best <laughs> running back value right now is Ramondre Stevenson oh, because he's it. being he's being treated as an, an RB two. I'm out of here. He, he we, we saw we saw we saw we <laughs> Billy saw and Stevenson. I already talked about him on Twitter. I told uh, we were comparing and seeing who we could rank higher. <laughs> Billy's Billy's all over the Stevenson train, but it's it for a good reason. You know, yes. I think that 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 offense under Bill O'Brien is going to get better. I mean, we saw they lose it Myers. They they immediately replace him with Juju, and I think they're going to draft a wide receiver in the first round that'll help the whole offense. They replace replace Jonu Smith with Mike Jacecki. I think there's going to be more red zone opportunities for New England. You have Damian Harris out of the way, uh, and I think that there's there's a little chatter that they're going to draft a running back, but I think even if they do, it'll be a day three one. I think Stevenson has a massive role this year. He was third in targets among all running backs last year as a second year player. He was the only first or second year player to finish as an RB one last year. Preach it, Theo. Uh, preach it. And and I think it's it's Stephen it. season in New England. Mondre time, baby. Where? Hold on, hold on. Where do you got him ranked at, Billy? Number seven, running back seven. RB three. That's aggressive, but I like it. I think it's he has RB one overall upside, dude. He yeah, the only thing, Debra, Debra, I did a, I did an article on PlayerProfiler.com. It was Back to the Future, looking for a running back one using some historical data and finishes. Mm-hmm. And Mondre checks a bunch of these boxes Tons. for being the RB one overall. As I, I'm not going to bet on that happening, but he checks a lot of boxes for that. It, it, people would say that's crazy, and I'm like, based off of what. He's he's hella good in the passing game. Bill showed that he's willing to l- use him in a workhorse role. We saw that the offense itself was basically like you could call that the floor of the Patriots offense last year. It can't get worse than it was last year. Period. I think I think Dan Williams had a typo. He meant to say that Ramondre Stevenson is the nuts is what he meant. To yeah, say. yeah, he it's OK, Dan. No, it's, okay, I, it's Dan. Fine. I got you. I it's got okay. you corrected here. We, we got you, man. It's OK. Yeah. Um, I'm not even going to say another running back because it's the answer to Ramondre Stevenson. And Theo said everything that we need to say. Um, Ramondre Stevenson is the truth. Um, I do agree, though, that Bill Belichick is the only thing. However, we did see them commit to Ramondre Stevenson last year. And the addition of of, of Robinson is not going to eat into Ramondre Stevenson's uh, efficiency. That's Ramondre Shield, baby. I think that they brought in Robinson as a pure competition for Pierre Strong. Um, And that's all it is. I, I'm not coming I, down, Cody. I don't give a crap what you say. I'm not coming down. I'm up here, baby. <laughs> Cody thrown out the throw up emoji on us, fellas. <laughs> the shade, dude. The shade. I'm catching strays from the chat. Come on, Dan, Cody. Dan, Dan and Damn. Cody in unison. This is one that we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. You know, continue this later. Deep Hold up. This. Give them the boo. This is the throw up emoji gets the boo. Do it. Boo yes. For- yes. Cody gets the boo on that one. Double- there. That's throw, a double- throw it up there. Double boo. <laughs> 
this is a this is a record long first class fantasy. This is our longest show ever. Debro, you've been incredibly generous uh, with your time uh, and your takes were fire as always. Please tell everybody where they can find you, and we're going to run it back with you on another episode in a couple months here because this was really, really a lot of fun today. I, I, I thought we were going for two hours here, boys, but Billy apparently has things he's got to go do with projection models and stuff, and you know he's going to go caress his trophy for about a good fifteen minutes in, in solitude. No, Billy, not on camera. Might not as on well camera. Start it now. No. That is we got to change the camera. We got to change the, the rating of the show no, now, Billy. And I know. YouTube's this gonna, is, gonna, no, no, Billy, this is how the it, show Billy. goes off the rails. This is not right, Billy. Come on. You're <laughs> the director of things now, Billy. Don't do this, Billy. Um, uh, no, man, this is fantastic. I love both you guys. Uh, sharp minds all around. I love this show. I love that y'all are doing this show. Uh, Matt Kelly has been making moves. A ton of smart people. Cody, yes, you're included in this. I love you, too. <laughs> um, but no, nah, man, I thank y'all so much for having me. I knew it was gonna be straight fire on this show. Um, as far as things for FP, uh, we have our dynasty draft kit that is live. Also, if you are heading over to FFPC, head over there, get your action with, with Roto Underworld as well as the Fantasy Pros people. We got another contest over there. Check it out. You like Amelia up top, get into all the FFPC action. I mean, really, it's a fantastic site. It's a great place to play. And we we sit here laying out like this is the keys to the castle as far as ADP and such right now. So um, between all of that, I got all my rookie content that is live on Fantasy Pro site. I'm diving, like I said, um, in more into best ball right now. So my ADP risers article is live. I go through about 15 players that I'm telling you between now and week one. The closing line value is there to be had. Draft them and draft them now because you're not going to see those ADPs ever again. So that's all the things and stuff I can shamelessly plug, guys. Um, again, I love you all to death. This was fantastic. This is awesome. Billy, when, when are you when are you going to be on again? Uh, Dario and I go man versus machine today uh, from uh, six o'clock Eastern to seven o'clock Eastern. Uh, the debate vote at the community post on YouTube has caught up. He's still down. It's 58 to 42, but I was crushing him. It was like 75% uh, to 25%. He's he's made up some ground. So Dario looks like he created about 20 new YouTube accounts and got his votes in. Um, <laughs> the burners are real, baby. <laughs> Dario's in Colombia right now just pumping out YouTube accounts to vote for the machine. Um, <laughs> I'm on to you, Dario. I know what you're doing. Uh, so we go live in a couple hours. We're going to do that. And then I'm going to be, I'm guesting on, uh alex caruso's podcast and he's coming on mine on friday in the dominator I rotate shows every friday with matt kelly and a guest matt kelly and the guest so uh we definitely get a nice hybrid uh amount of people on the dominator as well uh always a pleasure to talk football with you derek i love that we don't agree on a lot of things so we get to have a lot of good radio it's mm -hmm. it's good back and forth it's good to eye-opening i definitely always see man. things in a different light helps me look at things in different in different angles it's iron sharpens iron that's it, folks. Boys. We're out of here. See you next week on First Class Fantasy. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.